Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by frederickSDAchurch.org. I want to ask a question, and I've been debating whether or not to have a show of hands or not, because I don't like embarrassing people, but I am so curious, um, so I won't start off by asking uh, for you to raise your hand or not, but let me ask you a question. Does anyone here know what this Thursday is? This coming Thursday, May 7, do you know what is taking place this Thursday? The National Day of Prayer. Now be honest, how many of you, I can't resist. Be honest, how many of you knew that? All right, let me ask it this way. How many of you did not know that? (laughs) This Thursday, it is the first Thursday of the month of May. Every year, the first Thursday of the month of May is our national day of prayer. And I have to be honest with you. I don't follow this as, as closely as I should. Um, in fact, there have been years that have gone by and I thought, oh my, we missed the national day of prayer. Does anybody want to guess how long our country's been um, celebrating or, or recognizing this day of prayer? And if you're in the first service, you don't count. Anybody? Anybody want to guess? 15? No, a little more than that. I'm sorry? 50. You're close. We've been acknowledging this day for 58 years. 58 years under President Truman, and then it was uh, ratified under the Reagan administration. Uh, We have been um, acknowledging this day as the National Day of Prayer. And you know, it's interesting by your response that here as Christians, we talk about prayer and we say how prayer is important. We preach about how prayer works and how we should all have a prayer life, right? And, and we go about saying how important prayer is. And yet most Christians don't even know that our country, our nation recognizes a day for prayer. And sometimes I wonder, is this why the outside world, is this why sometimes the secular world or those that aren't Christians kind of look at Christians and say, you're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, here you talk about prayer, you you preach about prayer, you say how prayer is important and how you must take take things to God in prayer. But yet, here we have a day of prayer and you don't do anything about it. Well, today... We're going to start a sermon series on prayer. And I've entitled my sermon series, A Life of Prayer. Because my hope is that in the next few weeks, wherever you are in your prayer life, my hope is is that we can push you closer to a more significant or a more impactful prayer life. Wherever you are in your prayer life, whether you spend an hour in prayer a day, 
whether you spend a minute in prayer a day, whether you don't even think of prayer at all, my hope is, is that at the end of this sermon series, we will have pushed you forward, have nudged you just a little bit closer to desiring and wanting and implementing into your life prayer. You see, because what's at the core of prayer is not asking God for things. What's at the core of prayer is not telling God the things that are going on in our lives as though he doesn't know it already. What's at the core of prayer is communion with God. What's at the very core of prayer is relationship, is spending that time with God throughout the day, throughout the weeks, throughout the years. Now, next week, you don't want to miss next week because next week we're going to take a really close look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to dissect it. We're going to peel back the layers and we're going to take a really close look at the Lord's Prayer next week. We're going to concentrate on that one passage in Matthew chapter 6 on the Lord's Prayer. And if you want, review it this week so that you can kind of be thinking about it by, for next week. Now, today, we're going to be all over the place. We're going to be going from one verse to the next. And so I urge you, get your Bibles ready. If you're not too skilled in finding Bible verses, get a pen and paper ready so that you can jot down these verses so that you can review them later at your own leisure. So today, we're going to be all over the place as far as going to text here and there. But again, my hope is, is that at the end of this sermon series, you will have a greater desire to want to spend time in prayer with God, communing with Him, and building that relationship with Him. Our first text for today is found in Thessalonians. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. One of the smallest verses in all of Scripture. It ranks up there with Jesus wept and rejoice always. One of the smallest verses in all of Scripture and yet packed to the max with implications for our lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. Three words. Pray without ceasing. Now that's a pretty tall order if you ask me. And it's only three word verse. Pray without ceasing. In other words, pray all the time. All the time. You should be spent in prayer. Early in the morning when you wake up. Mid-morning. Late morning. Afternoon. Mid-afternoon. Late afternoon. In the evening. Late into the evening. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Now. Doesn't matter where you are in your prayer life. After reading this verse, you're probably thinking to yourself, wow, I can probably step up my prayer life a little bit more. Because the Bible has a habit of doing that, right? The Bible has a habit of setting the standard so high. 
that it constantly keeps us moving forward and growing in Christ. And so the Bible says, pray without ceasing. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, under any circumstance, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Let me share with you another verse. I'd like for you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Just a few pages back. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. What does it say? In everything. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many of us here today seek a peace that surpasses all understanding? How many of us here today seek to have a peace that in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of the financial crisis, in the midst of the illnesses and disease, in the midst of looking around and seeing our world falling apart, in the midst of all of that, we can have peace. How many of us seek that kind of peace? I think we all do. And the Bible here says, be anxious for nothing but in prayer, but in everything. It doesn't say Um, In some things, no, it says in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise that follows. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Prayer is an integral part of our relationship with God. Prayer is an integral part of our walk with God. You know, when you look through the Old Testament, when you look through the New Testament, when you look down through the ages, anyone who ever had any kind of significant spiritual walk with God, when you look at their lives, prayer was an integral part of their lives. You look through the Old Testament, you look through the New Testament, you look down through the pages of history, men and women who had a walk with God or had a significant part in the spiritual realm, you see that they had a very integral part. Prayer played a very integral part in their lives. And that is the goal for us here today is that wherever we are in our prayer life, that we move closer and closer to making prayer a more integral part of our lives. But I understand prayer can be complicated. I understand that prayer is one of those things that we sometimes kind of feel inadequate. We feel as though we don't know what to pray for or how to pray. I admit that sometimes pastors do the church members a disfavor when we get up here and we have those like big eloquent prayers with with flowery words and we get up here and we say our father in heaven hallowed be thy name the creator of the and we go on and on and on and in the minds of the members sometimes you go wow man i can't pray like that 
man, did you hear those words? And I could never pray like that. And I fear that sometimes as pastors, we do you a disfavor by having eloquent and, and big, long, drawn out prayers like that. Because we put you in a position where you say, you know, I I can't pray like that. And, and if I can't pray like that, well, then, you know, we'll, we'll just leave it to the next guy. And then sometimes you're called to pray in public. Oh, no, 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 not, not me. No, no. There, there are many others around this circle that pray a lot better than I do. Let, let them pray. But that's not what the Bible teaches The Bible teaches that we should be fervent in prayer, that we should pray without ceasing, that in everything we should bring it before God in prayer and supplication. And so that's why in this series, I want to move everyone here today who's hearing my voice closer to wanting to make prayer a more significant part of their life. I want to share with you three biblical basic principles that you can apply to your life starting right now that's going to help you in your prayer life. To start off, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Again, I want to share three biblical basic principles that you can start applying today to your prayer life to start helping make sense of prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, here we are on the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. And here we find the Lord's Prayer, and like I said, it's what we're going to concentrate on next week. The Lord's Prayer starts in verse 9, but if you read before that, you read that the disciples came to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus Christ, can you teach us how to pray? Teach us how to pray. How do we pray? What should we be praying for? And then Jesus responds and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. But before he gives them the Lord's Prayer, he gives them some principles. In verse 5, he says this. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. That they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Principle number one, when you come to God in prayer, when you decide that I am going to spend some time in communion with him, I'm going to build our relationship. When you come to him, come to him as you are. Come to him as you are. Principle number one, be honest with him. Come to him as you are, not as a hypocrite, not not trying to be someone that you're not. Come to him open heart, with your open heart. Come to him vulnerably. Say to him, God, here I am. Come to him honestly. Approach him honestly, vulnerably. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those that stand up and and give these flowery um, prayers at times. No, no, no. Principle number one, come to him as you are, be honest, be vulnerable with him, just as you are. Just wherever you are in your relationship with him, wherever you are in your walk with him, you may be struggling with a sin that you feel, man, this sin is keeping me away from him. No, no. When you come to God, you come with the sin, you come with the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
You come to him as you are. God wants to spend time with you. He doesn't want to spend time with the facade. He doesn't want to spend time with someone wearing masks. He doesn't want to spend time with someone pretending to be someone else. No, God wants to spend time with you. And so when you come to him in prayer, you come to him as you are. Principle number one, come to him as you are. Come to him honestly, vulnerably. Principle number two, verse six. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Listen, prayer isn't just when you pray just before a meal. Prayer isn't just something you do at church. Prayer is something that you can do in the quiet moments of your life. Principle number two is to find a solitary, quiet place where you can spend time with God. Draw away. Go away somewhere into a room. Lock the door behind you. Just go somewhere where you can be alone, just you and God. And I know that we live hectic lives. And it may be that your quiet place will be when you drive up after a long long day at work. You drive up in the car and you park the car in the garage or in the driveway. That might be the few moments of quiet time that you have. You turn off the radio and before going into the house, you just take a few moments there in the quietness of your car and you spend that time with God. It might be in the morning when you get in the car before heading off to work, before turning on the radio and turning on the ignition. You stop for a few moments and you spend that quiet time with God. And in those quiet moments, wherever the Spirit of God leads you to, 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 to express yourself, however the Spirit of God leads you to express yourself to God, just be honest with Him. Be open with Him in those quiet moments. But principle number two is to find a solitary place where you can spend time with God one-on-one. Principle number two is find that solitary place. Now, for principle number three, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses... For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Now listen to how beautiful Paul puts it here. He says, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Principle number three is when you come to God in prayer, come to God with confidence Come to God with confidence that the Holy Spirit is going to take your prayers and take those prayers before the throne of God. It is the Holy Spirit who is going to intercede on your behalf. You may not know what to pray for. You may be praying for the wrong things. You may be completely off course. But the point is, is that God wants to spend time with you just as you are. 
And we come to him in that quiet place. And now here we find in principle number three that we can come to him with confidence knowing that the Holy Spirit will take that prayer and take it before the throne of God and intercede on your behalf. What that means is, is that you may pray for something and, and the Holy Spirit will take it before the, God and say, you know, I, I know his heart. I know his intent. That's not really what he wants. Deep down inside, what he really desires is this. What he really desires is this. You see, because sometimes we, we live kind of in the superficial layers of our lives. We live in the superficial layers of our lives and we want this, we want that, and, and, and we wish we had that car, we wish we had that home, or, or we wish we had that kind of a bank account, or, or you know, we wish that, that this would happen to us. But, but, but if you remove the layers and you go deeper, you will realize that what lies deep down inside is a desire to know God, to be with God, to spend time with him, to be like him. And that is the end game here. And that is what the Holy Spirit takes. He takes your prayers, your prayers, and he takes them before God. And he prays on your behalf before God, before the throne of God. So principle number three is be confident when you come before God in prayer. So principle number one is be honest, be open, be vulnerable with him. Principle number two is find a solitary place where you can spend that one-on-one time with him. And principle number three is approach the throne with confidence. Doesn't the Bible say that we have a a mediator who can sympathize with us, who knows our, our weaknesses because he's been through it. And it says we can come boldly before the throne of grace because of that. So you can start applying these three principles today. As you begin to think, you know, I need to spend more time in prayer. I need to discover and develop a better prayer life. You can start applying these three principles in your lives. Now, for the rest of the the message today, we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. Because I want to focus a little bit on the National Day of Prayer. Because the National Day of Prayer doesn't just happen on Thursday. Yes, that is the day that we recognize. But there is actually a plan out there. There is actually a a program that I would like all of us as a church to be a part of. I would like to join the rest of the Christian community in praying for what they call the seven centers of power. The seven centers of power. Now, obviously today we don't have the time to go through each of them in detail. So I'm going to refer you to this website. www.ndptf.org www. stands for National Day of Prayer Task Force. org www ndptf.org. You go to this website, you're going to read the history, you're going to read um, a lot more in details about these seven centers of power that we're going to kind of go over here today in brief. But the reason I want to share this with you is because it's going to give you something that you can start praying for today. 
is something that you can start incorporating into your life today. Using these three principles that we've just talked about, you're going to be able to take these seven centers of powers, these seven subjects, and you're going to be able to pray throughout this week. I want our church to join the 40 million other Christians who are doing this nationwide. The seven centers of powers. Here it is. On Sunday, tomorrow, we will be praying for our government. And I'd like for you guys, if you're jotting this down, to take time to jot these down. I'm going to give you some Bible verses. We're not going to go through all the Bible verses, but just jot them down and you'll be able to reference them later. Tomorrow on Sunday, I want our church to be praying for our government. Now listen, this is a lot bigger and it goes a lot further than the policies and the politics. This goes a lot further. It goes way beyond whether or not you agree with the current administration or the past administration or the future administration. Okay, this goes beyond that. All right. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of First Timothy, I'd like to share with you a very powerful verse in First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I exert first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2, for kings... And all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. We need to be very intentional about praying for the leaders of our country. And so, yes, we need to lift up the president, Barack Obama, the vice president, Joe Biden, secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, secretary of defense, Robert Gates, you can go to, to, to your local websites if you need to find out uh, who else to pray for. But we need to be praying that God give our leaders the wisdom, the strength, the perseverance that it takes to move this country forward in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we pray for our leaders. I'd like to also point out that here within these four walls, one of our members, Roscoe Bartlett, we have to pray for Roscoe Bartlett and his family as he stands for what he believes, as he goes before the House and before the Senate and as he represents us. We need to pray for Roscoe Bartlett and his family. We need to be praying for our leaders, our government leaders. This is the first center of power that we need to be praying for is our government. Another text that you can look up later is First Kings Chapter 3, verse 38. The second center of power that we will be praying for on Monday is the military. We need to be praying for the men and women who wear our uniform. Now, there again, beyond politics, beyond policies... Beyond whether or not you agree that we should be in Iraq or if we should go to, to, to another part. Whether or not you, you, you agree on, with war or not. We need to be praying for the men and women who out of the goodness of their heart has said, I love this country enough to volunteer and to serve and to protect. 
These men and women marched to the orders of whatever administration, whether on the right or on the left. And we need to be praying for the men and women in uniform. We need to be praying for our military. We need to be praying for their families. And, and, and let us not forget, we need to also pray for those who have lost a son or a daughter, husband or wife in the military. We need to be praying for those. So on Sunday, we're going to be praying for government. On Monday, we're going to be praying for the military. Second Chronicles chapter 32, 6 and 8 is a wonderful verse that you can go to to, to see um, the relationship between military and leadership and, and, and God. Second Chronicles 32, 6 and 8. On Tuesday, we will be praying for the media. Praying for the media. Philippians 4, 8 is a text that I'd like for you to attach to that. We need to pray for our media. Now, it used to be that in our country, uh, journalists and media reported facts. That's all they did, reported facts. And nowadays it seems as though it's either way on the right or way on the left. We need to be praying for our journalists, that they can have the strength, that they can have the desire, the the fortitude to not put their personal opinion into the news, but that they can just simply report facts and allow us to make the decisions. So we need to be praying for our media. And now I'm going to expand this a little bit further and say, or include in the media, we also need to be praying for the movie industries, the music industry, the internet, the media, Hollywood. We need to be praying for these individuals who are in these leadership positions. Now, something interesting is going to happen. Because as you pray... For the movie industry, as you pray for the music industry, as you pray for the media that we so often point the finger and say, I can't believe that they did that. I can't believe that they've taken it too far. Did you see that commercial? No way. You know, this is something that I struggle with. I struggle with what do I allow into my brain? What do I, what do I allow my eyes to see What do I allow my ears to hear? Because here's the deal. We may rail against it. We may speak against it. But guess what? Every time you put that $7 on the counter to go see a movie in which you have to say, you know, uh, son, close your eyes during this scene. All we're doing is perpetuating the problem. All we're doing is, is helping to support that lifestyle. And while we, 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 we go back and we say, I can't believe that they're living that kind of a lifestyle. Guess what? We're supporting it. We're supporting it with our dollars. And so if it's something that you don't feel is appropriate, don't support it. I mean, you have to make that distinction. Could you imagine if every Christian in this country stood up for what was right and said, we're not going to allow this junk into our homes? Could you imagine what would happen? They would go out of business. We keep them in business. And all I'm saying is that as we pray for the media, as we pray for Hollywood, and as we pray for the movie industry, and as we pray for for the music industry, we're going to have to do a little soul searching ourselves. 
And maybe we're going to have to start making a difference in our own lives. We're going to have to maybe set some parameters as to what we see and what we, what we don't see. And maybe it's time that we, as a Christian community, start putting God first. And not entertainment, or not the next thrill, or not the latest and greatest. So, on Tuesday, we're going to pray for the media. On Wednesday, we will be praying for our businesses and our corporations. Jot down these texts to go along with it. Proverbs 29, 2. Proverbs 16, 8. Businesses, corporations, CEOs, financial executive officers. You know, it seems that the talk, everything you hear about in the media these days is fraudulent, greed, um, um, you hear about the companies uh, taking out um, their employees and, 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 and stripping them of, of their retirement. And, and you think to yourself, how can these people be leading uh, the, are, are these huge corporations and just taking advantage of them? We need to be praying for them. We need to be praying that God come, come into their lives and instill in them a standard, a standard according to biblical principle, a standard that says we're going to put God first in our businesses. We're going to put the biblical principles, apply those to our corporations. Now, you may think, well, why am I going to pray for them to get rich? No, listen, folks, everything's connected here. The economy, jobs, Everything is connected here and we need to be putting the leaders of businesses and corporations in our prayers. And so on Wednesday, we're going to pray for the businesses, corporations, CEOs, executives, business leaders. That's on Wednesday. On Thursday, we're going to be praying for our education system. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 19, Proverbs 22, 6. We need to be praying for our education system. Now, I know that, you know, I don't want to kind of dive into the whole politics of things. And and, and I I, I do my best to kind of steer away from all of that. But I do have to say that it seems as though there is an increasing want or an increasing desire to remove God altogether from our education system. And when I read what the Bible says, it says that the fool says that there is no God. And it bothers me when I hear reports about students getting, um, you know, in trouble for wanting to pray or wanting to read their Bibles. And, and that's not allowed here. It, it bothers me when, when I hear that. But, and, I, and I feel that we need to be praying for our education system. Not that we have an agenda that we want to push. Not that we want to be teaching religion. Or not that we want to be teaching Christianity in our schools. Not that we want to be pushing any kind of agenda. Except that we need to pray for our teachers. We need to be praying for our students. And we need to be praying that God have some part in our education system. We need to be praying for our Christian education. As you look around the conference and across our denomination, it seems as though the enrollment keeps on slipping and and going down and down and down. We need to be praying for Christian education across the board so that we can provide that education that does give that Christian tint worldview 
to the lives of our young people. We need to be praying for the education, for Christian education. We need to be praying that everyone have the opportunity to be educated. That no one is left behind. That, that no child goes left behind. We need to be praying that we can provide a good education for all of our children. That's Thursday. On Friday, I want us to be praying for the church. Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. The church. Friday, we need to uplift our church. Now, you know, it is our goal, it is our desire to want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. But really, how serious are we about that? And how effective are we? We really have to start asking ourselves that question. How effective are we really in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to our community, to our neighbors? We need to pray for the church. We need to pray, as the Bible says, that we, we find our first love once again and that we become passionate about sharing the love of Christ with people. You know, Mrs. White says that the church will be the last place in where the love of Christ will be manifested to the church. And so we need to be praying for the Christian community. We need to be praying for the Adventist church so that we can once again claim those who have been taken into a world of sin, into a world of lust, into a world of greed. We need to be praying for our churches. And Sabbath, our last day, we need to be praying for, can anyone guess the last center of power? I'm sorry? Ourselves? Close. You're close. Family. The last center of power. We need to be praying for our families. It seems as though our families are being attacked from every rich way. More now than ever before. And sure, all these other centers of powers that we've talked about have contributed to the dismantling of the family And yes, I will include in that the church because I think that as a church, if we're real, we need to be honest with ourselves and say, you know, maybe we have contributed to the dismantling of the family as we haven't been real, as we've as as we have focused more on tradition, as we focused more on the, the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law. And we have driven our children away. We need to pray fervently for our families, for our families to stay together so that the family unit can stay together. Certainly, these other six centers of power that we've talked about have contributed to the dismantling of the church, of the family. But we need to also look at ourselves and say, how have we contributed to the dismantling of the family through infidelity, through uh, abuse, uh, through greed, through pursuing um, earthly things as opposed to pursuing God, we need to pray for the family unit. We need to pray that our families stay together. We need to pray for our family members that they, if for some reason have slipped away from the church, that they can come back um, to the church. We need to pray for our families. And I'll just share with you a few texts to go along with that. Mark chapter 3 Verse 25, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, and Psalms 127, verse 3. My prayer is that starting today, 
that we can take these three biblical principles that we have learned on how to approach prayer, to be honest, to, to come to God as we are, to find a solitary place, and to come to him with confidence that we can apply these three biblical principles and apply them to these seven centers of power as we pray for these things this week. Now, could you imagine with me for one second, if we just don't stop this week, but if we make this a part of our daily walk with God week after week after week? Could you imagine if as a church we incorporate this into our daily lives where every, every Sunday we're praying for our government leaders, where every Monday we're praying for the military, where every Tuesday we're praying for the media, every Wednesday we're praying for businesses and, and corporations, where every Thursday we're praying for the education of our children, every Friday we're praying for the church, every Sabbath we're praying for our families. Again, my prayer is, That wherever you are in your prayer life, that we draw closer, ever so closely to having that communion with God every day. So that it can be said of us, they are a people of prayer. There are people that commune with God. There are people whose relationship with God is like this. Why? Because they are a people of prayer. Let us all strive to have a life of prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege of prayer, for the opportunity that we have to come before you, God Almighty, creator of all, the giver of love and lover of all. Lord, what a privilege it is to come before you as your people. Lord, we have so neglected to spend this time with you in our own personal lives. God, I just pray that today, all of us here today can, can just say, you know what? I need to spend more time with you and that we can apply these biblical principles. And Lord, give us the courage this week to pray for these seven powers that affect us, affect our families, affect our children, affect our society, our culture. Help us to pray for these seven powers this week, day by day. Help us to be faithful in that. And then on Thursday, as our nation recognizes this day of prayer, Lord, help us to maybe pull aside a a co-worker, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, and say, do you know what today is? Today is the national day of prayer. Can I pray with you? Is there a prayer request that you'd like for me to bring before God? Lord, give us the courage to do so. And Lord, when it's all said and done, may we be known as a people of prayer. Lord, I humbly come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, asking for these things. In his name I pray, amen. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at frederickSDAChurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 